الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن الشرح of the رسالة رسالة لطيفة written by العلامة عبد الرحمن ناصر السعدي explaining his رسالة لطيفة his وصول الفقه كتاب Last week what we did was we spoke about an usul and what it means and fiqh what it means. Today inshallah ta'ala what we're going to do is we are going to cover the uh, meaning of usul al-fiqh together. So we've already done usul and we've done fiqh. We're now going to do Usul al-fiqh together, what does it mean? So what does usul al-fiqh together mean? The, the two words when they come together, what does it mean? We've defined them separately, usul by itself. We gave the lexical meaning, we gave the technical meaning. Um, and we did the same for fiqh. We spoke about fiqh, its lexical meaning and its technical meaning. Now what we're going to do is we're going to go in and explain what does usul al-fiqh, usul al-fiqh, when it comes together, what does it mean? Usul al-fiqh, when it comes together, um, it means the following. So usul, usul al-fiqh is ilmun yubhathu عن أدلة عن أدلة الفقه الإجمالية عن عن أدلة الفقه الإجمالية وكيفية الاستفادة منها وحال المستفيد. That's what usul al-fiqh means. So, what does usul al-fiqh mean? Usul al-fiqh means three things, inshallah ta'ala. Three things. The first one is. Um, um, Adilla Al Fiqh Al Al Ijmaliya. Okay. Second thing is Wakaifiyatu Wakaifiyatu Al Istifadati Wakaifiyatu Al Istifadati Minha. And the third one is Wahal Al Mustafid. Okay. Usulul fiqh 
um, it's these three. Usul al-fiqh is what? It's these three. If you today, inshallah ta'ala, understand these, uh, these three points, you are going to understand what usul al-fiqh deals with. And you are actually going to understand what it means. Because the definition and what it deals with is the same thing. So the first thing that it deals with is comprehensive comprehensive evidence. I already spoke about this point when I was talking about fiqh. What did I say fiqh deals with? I said fiqh, it deals with detailed evidence. Okay? Um, specific evidences. Fiqh deals with specific evidence. Lakin, usul al-fiqh deals with comprehensive evidence. Now, I have to explain what that means. I'm going to explain to you what comprehensive evidence means. Some evidences are very comprehensive. Comprehensive in the sense where this evidence, you could use it for anything or anywhere. For example, uh, this evidence. The evidence. Al amru yufidu al wujub. Al amru yufidu al wujub. What does that mean? It means a command shows obligation. So, a command. From Allah and the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam A command from Allah and Messenger and the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam it shows wujub. Okay, obligation. This is the evidence. Okay. This is the adilla. It's the evidence. According to the usuliyin, this is the evidence. This evidence right now here, is it comprehensive? Is it comprehensive? Yes, the answer is, is yes. Yes, it is comprehensive. Why? Because you could use this for every single evidence that you come to. Yani you could use it, you could use this evidence in any chapter of fiqh. You could use it in, for example, qawlu ta'ala aqimu as-salata. Allah Taala says, "Aqimu, Aqimu is an amr. Establish the prayer. So this shows what that praying the salah is what wajib. I'm using that. Allah Taala He said, "Wa'atu al-zakata. Give the zakat. Wa'atu it shows it's an amr. Zakata becomes wajib." 
This chapter is called the chapter of Kitab Salah. Because he's talking about prayer. This is the chapter of Kitab Zakat. In the chapter of Salah and in the chapter of Zakat, I have used what? I have used the same evidence. Does that make sense? I'm using the same evidence for the Salah and the Zakat. What evidence am I using that the Salah is obligatory and the Zakat is obligatory? Al-Amru yufidul umum. Al-Amru yufidul wujub. Al-Amru yufidul wujub. Sorry. This is a comprehensive evidence. Does everyone here understand that point? Before I move on to the next point. Does everyone understand that point? Yeah? Has everyone understood? Abdurrahman, is there something I can put it on so it can be a bit higher? Has everyone understood? Yeah, put it on this one. Put this on top. Yes. Okay, has everyone understood? Is there anyone who hasn't understood? Huh? Everyone understood? Crystal clear? Now I'm going to go on to the second part. Okay? The second part is... The second part is... That's the second part of the definition. That's the second part of the definition. Okay? What does it mean? It means how how to comprehend How to comprehend the text. The second part of the definition is how do I understand this text? How do I understand this text? The second point that usul al-fiqh is, is I have a dalil in front of me. Okay, I have a evidence in front of me. Is this evidence... Um, one, am. Is it general? Or is it khas? Is it mujmal, ambiguous? 
or is it mubayyan, clear? Is it khas? Uh, sorry, is it mutlaq? Is it unrestricted? Or is it restricted? Is it nasikh? Is it, is, it, is it an abrogator or is it abrogated? These are what you benefit from the text. Okay, this is important. Is this text general? Is it specific? Okay. Is it general? Is it specific? Is it ambiguous? For example, Allah Taala said, "Aqimu wa aqimu salata." Aqimu salata. I'm reading the Quran. Okay, I come across this verse. Allah is saying, "Wa aqimu salata." I'm aqimu salata. Establish the prayer. Is this crystal clear of what is meant by Wa'aqimus Salah? Is it clear, crystal clear? Or is it ambiguous? What we can say is if we look at this verse by itself, it is not clear, it's ambiguous. This is Mujmal. Wa'aqimus Salah is Mujmal, which is um, vague okay. or ambiguous or obscure why? by reading this verse alone would you know how to pray? do you know? you read that would that in and within itself tell you what you need to do? would you know how to pray the salah? The answer is no. So, salah. What is meant by it? It's not clear because the word as-salah in the Arabic language, filloga, in the Arabic language, it's a dua. The Arabic language, the word as-salah means what? A dua. Means dua. So, establish dua. Does that mean we go outside and we supplicate? Is not clear. This becomes mubayyan. It becomes clear when we take it to the hadith of the Prophet. Like the hadith of Al Musi'u Salatahu, the, salah, the, 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 the man who prayed the salah. Uh, incorrectly and then the messenger sallallahu told him he said to him go and pray for verily you haven't prayed and then the man went and he prayed and he came back again and then again and again and then after he said um, he said بِالْحَقِّ نَبِيَّ I swear by the Lord that has sent you out as a prophet I don't know how to pray teach me how to pray then the prophet sallallahu said okay the Prophet then taught him how to pray. And then the Prophet was commenting on the verse, وَأَقِيمُ salah. The Prophet was teaching him how to pray. So, usulul fiqh 
allows you to look an ayah and know what category it falls under. Is it a general? Is it a specific? Is it vague and ambiguous? Is it clear? Is it unrestricted? Is it restricted? Is it abrogate? Is it ab- is it abrogating or is it abrogated? Hani, that's what they deal with. And if you don't study this science, you will struggle. Are we all together? Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Are we all t- are we all together? Do we all understand? Do you all understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it crystal clear? Yeah. Or do, do I need to explain it even more? I'm going to show you something, inshallah ta'ala. Just to show you something. Okay? On this issue of وَكَيْفِيَّةُ istifadati minha. Okay, before I go in, I just want to show you how it's important, this particular part. This particular part. How important it is. Okay, I'm going to show you guys something, inshallah ta'ala. Um, I'm going to give you a very good example, inshallah ta'ala. You see, the religion of Islam is being attacked by many Many groups. People love to attack Islam, to say that it's an extreme religion. Whether it be Orientalists, whether it be liberals, whether it be non-Muslims, whether it be... Everyone is attacking Islam. But many of those people, if you look deep at them, you realize they haven't studied this science, Usul al-Fiqh. They have no knowledge of Usul al-Fiqh. And they're talking about the Quran said this, the Sunnah said this. As though they have benefited something from the text, the Quran and the Sunnah. When their knowledge of Usul al-Fiqh is either zero or very low. I'm going to show you something. There's a hadith of the Prophet It's found in the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi, right? The 42 hadith of Nawawi. Where the Prophet he said, Umirtu. And Uqatil al-Nas Okay, pay attention to this This hadith says Umirtu, I was commanded And Uqatil al-Nas That I fight With the people Umirtu, I was commanded. The Prophet is saying, I was commanded to fight with the people. And uqatila, and uqatila nas. And then the hadith goes on to say, Hatta yashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, until they say, La ilaha illallah. Faida kaluha asamu minni dima'ahum wa amwalahum illa bihaqiha wa hisabum ala Allahi ta'ala. That famous hadith, you all know it, right? Are we all on the same page?
Yeah? Are we all on the same page? We all are, we, we've all heard of that hadith. Is that hadith, is, is anyone who hasn't heard of this hadith? So what we, what we now want to do is, we, wanna, we want to deeply look at the hadith of the Prophet. So we have understanding. How to comprehend this text. Okay, it's important. And by studying this science, you can defend the religion and it will bring about in your heart certainty. It will show you that this religion has come from Allah. It came from Allah and it will show you how consistent this religion is from the beginning to the end. How this deen is so connected. It will show you. Okay, let me show you how. They said that when the Prophet said, Umirtu an uqatil an nas, I was commanded to kill the people. Uqatil. To kill the people. Until they say, La ilaha illallah. So they said, An nasu here means people. Okay? I was commanded to kill the people. The Prophet said this. Until they say, La ilaha illallah. Okay? Until they what? Until they say La ilaha illallah. فَإِذَا قَالُوهَا If they say La ilaha illallah, عَصَمُوا مِنِّي دِمَاءَهُمْ Their blood is secreted from me. I can't touch their blood. I cannot spill their blood. وَحِسَابُهُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى And their accountability is with Allah. So now we're going to say, you guys have understood from the word people as to mean everyone. So they're saying yes. So according to you, this text is general. عَام. Huh? Are we all together? This text for you, it's am. Are you saying it's general? They're saying yes, we're saying it's general. Everybody with me so far? Yeah? Are we all together? Am I making sense so far? Is everyone with me so far? So we have, to, we have to understand the argument and then see, and this will show us how usul al-fiqh is very important, inshaAllah ta'ala. Is everyone with me? If you're not, I will repeat it for you if you want, inshaAllah ta'ala. Okay, everyone's with me, inshaAllah ta'ala. So what they're saying is that umirtu an uqatila nas the word an-nasu here is people, and people is general. So Muhammad, as your Qur'an says, as your Qur'an says, that I was sent down as mercy to mankind, it's not true. Okay? Nabi uh, Muhammad is not a mercy to mankind. So the people, they break into two, two types. The non-Muslims who show Islam is a radical religion, and a group of Muslims who say the hadith is going against the Quran, so we do not accept hadith at all. Okay, hadith is made up, and it's where the whole problem is coming from. Are we all, are we all together? And so, based on that, we should reject the hadith. So far, do you, are, you, are we all together? Now the response will come, inshallah ta'ala. Okay. Am I, 
Now the response will come. What we say is, this subject is called Usul al-Fiqh that you guys have entered. This is not a science for you guys because you're not equipped for it. It's not a subject you have studied. It's not a subject you know. And talking about these issues, leave it to the specialists and the people who know. So now we are going to take it to the specialists. And we are going to take it to the Usuliyin. The Usuliyin, they responded to this. And they said, since it's got to do with how to comprehend the text. They said, Anasu is amun makhsus. This is missing from you guys. It's amun makhsus. What does amun makhsus mean? It is general, but what is intended is specification. How? The people are four types. In Islam, the people are four types. There is a mu'min. And there is a dhimmi. There is a mu'ahid. Let's just break it into those three. It's easier to understand. Mu'min, dhimmi, mu'ahid. And the, the, sorry, the third, the third one is Harbi. I'm a muharib. Okay. The people are how many types? Four types. He's either a mu'min, a dhimmi, a mu'ahid, and a muharib. A mu'min is a believer. When you said that an-nasu the mu'min is not in there. Are we all together? The mu'ahid is not in there because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man qatala mu'ahidan lam yarih ra'ihat al-jannah. Anyone who kills a mu'ahid does not smell the fragrance of jannah. He then from the word annasu take out mu'ahid. Are we all together? The Prophet said that. So take out a dhimmi as well. Oh, sorry, take out a mu'ahid. As for a dhimmi, the Prophet وسلم, said to the sister of Ali ibn Abi Talib when she came, Ummu Hani, and she said, Ya Rasulullah, I have given safety to a non-Muslim and Ali wants to kill the non-Muslim. Ali wants to kill them. Then the Prophet وسلم, said to Ummu Hani, the person you have given safety and you've reassured them, we have all reassured them as well. So take out a dhimmi. Take out the dhimmi. The only one you're left with is what? The only one you're left with is a muharib. That's what is meant by amun makhsus. Okay? Amun makhsus. The word is general, yes. But it's specifications in there. How is there specification? These are specifically taken out. And this is used even in the Quran. It's even used in the Quran. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about Isa ibn Maryam, wa yukallimun nasa. Wa yukallimun nasa. 
wa yukallimun nasa isa talks to the people i ask you guys a question did isa talk to all of the people on the world in the entire world or was he only talking to the people in front of him yeah wa yukallimun nasa when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that about Isa ibn Maryam, was Isa talking to all of the people on the entire universe? Or was he only talking to the people in front of him? Am I making sense? Isa was only talking to the people in front of him. وَيُكَلِّمُ النَّاسَ فِي الْمَهْدِي When he was in the cradle, I'm talking to the cradle, when he was in the cradle. And Isa started to speak and say, قَالَ إِنِّي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ آتَانِيَ الْكِتَابُ وَجَعَلَنِي نَبِيَّا وَجَعَلَنِي مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُ وَأُصَانِي بِالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاتِ Isa was talking to the people in front of him. So when the ayah said, وَيُكَلِّمُ النَّاسَ Isa will speak to the people. It was the only people he spoke to were the ones in front of him. Am I making sense? But the word anasa was used. People was used. And this people here is not general. It was referring to only the people that were in front of him. Am I making sense? Does that make sense, brothers and sisters? So now what happens is you have applied usulul fiqhya. You have brought the, this is a general, these are specification, you brought an example for it. This we've just done is minha. How do we benefit from the text? The Quran and the Sunnah. This is a text from the Prophet. How do we benefit from it? How do we use it? Does that make sense? Are we all on the same page? Does anyone have any questions, any concerns, any discussion before we move on? So based on this discussion and what we've just said right now, it goes hand in hand with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam being a mercy sent from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. We did not send you to mankind except as a mercy to, to mankind. That's why we sent you. Someone asked and said, can you define the four? The four is a believer. The first one is a mu'min. The second one is a dhimmiyu. A dhimmi is a person who's been given a uh, 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 governments have been given contracts to each other. Okay, he's been given a, re- a contract. Um, that naam uh, or a promise was given to him. A muahid is a person who's got a covenant. There's a covenant 
So the dhimmi is a person who is reassured by a Muslim or someone. They tell him to come into our country, you're safe, no one's going to touch you. That's a dhimmi. A mu'ahid is a person who has a contract. And he has a contract. Two governments have contracts. The Islamic State has a contract with another non-Muslim state. They have a contract between the two. Okay? Because that government is paying their, their tax, their Islamic tax, they don't get fought with. The fourth one is a muharib. He's fighting with the Muslims. He's, he's the one that... That's the one. The muharib who's in war with the Muslims. Okay? So these four, these three, they have an exception that takes them out. Whereas the muharib, he's the one that's being referred to here as umirtu an uqatil nas Okay? This is what usul al-fiqh gives you, my beloved brothers and sisters. It gives you that malaka, that ability to do that with the Qur'an and the sunnah. Okay. The third one is Wahalul Mustafid. Wahalul Mustafid is you will study the Mujtahid or the Mufti. And also you study the opposite, which is the Muqallid. In this chapter, which is the last chapter of Usul al-Fiqh, they speak about and they discuss the, the, the mujtahid. Who is a mujtahid? Who isn't a mujtahid? Who is a mufti who can give fatwa? Who is a muqallid, a blind follower? That wahalul mustafid means the situation of the mufti and the mustafti. Okay, that's the last chapter that's spoken about the mujtahid, and issues related to ijtihad, okay? And issues related to... Mujtahid is a independent, it is independent, independent reasoning. And this person, he looks at the Qur'an and the Sunnah and he extracts ruling from it like that. Whereas the blind follower, he can't. He will just say, my sheikh said, um, and etc. Okay? That's what usul al-fiqh means. Okay? That's what usul al-fiqh means. Now, if you really look at it, the chapter that's the, the most important one that you should really understand is this one. This one is the most important one which is known as That's the one you should focus on and give your mind and your heart to and the nas how does it benefit? We're going to speak about that, inshallah ta'ala, 
in great details, okay? Does, any, does everyone understand? Yeah? Are we all on the same page? Has the Salah come in here? Okay. Now let's read the book, inshallah ta'ala. Go to the uh, second chapter, inshallah ta'ala, which is Al-Ahkam Al-Lati Yaduru Alayha Al-Fiqh. Does everyone have that? Does everyone understand? Is everyone with me? The chapter Al-Ahkam Al-Lati Yaduru Al-Fiqhu Alayha Khamsatun Has everyone got it? Okay Today we'll do that chapter inshallah ta'ala Today we'll do all of that chapter inshallah ta'ala The author rahimahullah he said Al-Ahkam Al-Lati Yaduru Al-Fiqhu Alayha Khamsatun Al-Wajib Al-Ladhi Yuthabu Fa'iluhu Wa Yu'aqabu Tarikuhu Wa Al-Haramu Dhidduhu والمسنون الذي يثاب فاعله ولا يعاقب تاركه والمكروه ضده والمباح مستوى الطرفين وينقسم 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 الواجب إلى فرض عين ويطلب فعله من كل مكلف بالغ عاقل وهو جمهور أحكام الشريعة الواجبة وإلى فرض كفاية وهو الذي يطلب حصوله وتحصيله من المكلفين لا من كل واحد بعينه كتعلم العلوم والصناعات النافعة والأذان والأمر بالمعروف والنهي عن المنكر ونحو ذلك وهذه الأحكام الخمسة تتفاوت تفاوتا كثيرا بحسب حالها ومراتبها وآثارها فما كان مصلحة خالصة أو راجحة أمر به الشارع أمر إيجاب أو استحباب وما كانت مفسدته خالصة أو راجحة نهى عنه الشارع نهي تحريم أو كراهة فهذا الأصل يحيط بجميع المأمورات والمنهيات وأما المباحات فإن الشارع الشارع أباحها وأذن فيها وقد يتوصل بها إلى الخير فتلحق بالمأمورات وإلى الشر فتلحق بالمنهيات فهذا أصل كبير أن الوسائل لها أحكام المقاصد وبه نعلم أن ما لا يتم الواجب إلا به فهو واجب وما لا يتم المسنون إلا به فهو مسنون وما يتوقف الحرام عليه فهو حرام ووسائل المكروه مكروهة The author رحمه الله He said Do we all have the same copy? Yeah, I'm reading the same copy. Has anyone seen any difference to the copy I have and their copy? 
So the, uh, is there a difference in our copies? Okay, if you've got the same copy as mine, can you please share it, inshallah ta'ala, in the group, inshallah ta'ala, so everyone else can have it, inshallah ta'ala. Okay, here we're going to go into the ahkam. Okay, we're going to go into al-ahkam. Okay, this is a very important chapter. We're going to go into Al-Ahkam. Al-Shari'ah. We're now going to go into Al-Ahkam Al-Shari'ah. What is Ahkam Al-Shari'ah? It means the jurisprudent Jurisprudent rulings, huh? If the spelling is wrong, I'm not um, teaching English, okay? Okay, I'm not teaching English. If the spelling is wrong, I'm not teaching English, inshallah ta'ala. So just focus on this one. This is just a, a, a side benefit. Al-Ahkam al-Shari'ah. What does Al-Ahkam al-Shari'ah mean? I mean, what is it? According to the scholars, the Usuliyin, they divided the Ahkam al-Shari'ah into two. The first one is Al-Ahkam al-Shari'ah al-Wad'iyah. And the second one is Al-Ahkam al-Shari'ah al-Taklifiyah. This book, alhamdulillah, because it's a very small book, I don't think it mentions al-ahkam al-shari'ah al-wad'iyah. It doesn't mention it. So we won't mention it, we'll just stick to the ahkam, the taklifiyah, the first one. And the first one is the most important one, which is this one. This is the most important one. And this is two types. Okay, it's um, a talab and a takhir. A takhir. I'm gonna explain it all. You just have to write it for now. And the talab is two types. Talabu fi'l and talabu tark. And the, the fi'l is two types, and the tark is two types. This one's easy, it's just mubah. This, this one is ala waj al ilzam, ala waj 
الأفضلية على وجه الإلزام على وجه Okay. And this is the wajib. This is mandub. This is the haram. And this is the uh, makruh. Okay. Okay, pay attention to this. This is all of the Sheikh what he said, it's oh it's written here. I'm gonna give you guys two minutes to write it, or three minutes to write it, and then we'll go through it inshallah ta'ala.
اوكي الاحكام الشرعيه الاحكام الشرعيه as i mentioned is the jurisprudential rulings the sheikh didn't speak about these ones so we're not going to talk about it the ahkam al-shari'iyah according to the scholars are two types taklifiyah the taklifiyah is that which you are burdened with see it's the one that you are mukallaf you are burdened to do it and the mukallaf is a person who is who is aqil and balig right He's sane and puberty, right? So the taklifiyah is the mukallaf. What a person who's sane and reached puberty is required to do. And the scholars, they divide it into two. A talab request and a takhir choice. The choice is the mubah. The mubah is your choice. If you want to do it, do it. Right, that's one. Like in the talab request is two types. Talabu fi'lin, you're requested to do something. And talabu tarkin, you're requested to leave off something. Okay? You're requested to do something. And you are requested to leave off something. When you are requested to do something, it's in two ways that the sharia requests you to do something. It requests you to do it in a forceful manner. So a forceful manner. Forceful manner. Or in a recommended manner. Okay? Either in a forceful manner or recommended manner. A forceful manner is wajib. And a recommended manner is mandub. I'm a masnoon, sunnah, whatever you call it. I'm a nadb. It's when it's recommended, sunnah, sunnah. The second one is you're recommended to leave off something. The way that the sharia requests from you to leave off something is either in a forceful manner, which is haram, or it's ala wajhil afdaliyah, and that is makruh, disliked. Are we all together? Do you all understand that point? Does it make sense? Yes, yeah, someone's my microphone's on. Does everyone understand? Okay, what I said was Taklifiyah is the word mukallaf And a mukallaf is a aqil, a person who's sane And a person who's reached puberty <coughs> The way that the sharia requests from you to do things Is in two ways It either requests you to do something Or it requests you for you to leave off something if the Sharia requests from you to do something, it does it in a forceful manner. Do this or else. Or recommended manner, 
If you do this, you'll get this, and etc. But it's not a forceful manner. It's in a recommended, encouraging manner. When the Sharia tells you to leave off something, it's in two ways. It's in a forceful manner. If you don't leave it off, you're going to be punished, which is haram or mahdur. Or it tells you to leave off something in a, a recommended manner, which is makruh. Which is makruh. Those four, and mubah is the five ahkam at-taklifiyya. Wajibun, mandubun, mahdurun, makruh, and mubah. Am I making sense? Is everybody, anybody, everybody with me? Are we all on the same page? Now, I want to mention a side benefit, a side benefit. Okay, I want you to all pay attention to this, a side benefit. The scholars, they discussed amongst themselves, and they discussed whether the, where, sorry, whether the mubah is under the ahkam at-taklifiyah. The mubah. Should the mubah be under the ahkam at-taklifiyah? You can all see what right now, ahkam at-taklifiyah, we said at-talab and at-takhir. Okay? At-talab and at-takhir. Okay? How could at-takhir be under taklifiyah? Because the word taklifiyah means burden. It's to burden someone with something. And at-takhir means choice. You're not burdened, you can do what you want. So how can it fall under ahkam al-taklifiyah? These can because you're forced to do something, or you're, you're encouraged to do something which is a burden. Does that make sense? Is the question understood? Is the question understood? Is the, is the question clear? So the scholars, they have response. Shall I repeat it? I'll repeat myself. The ahkam al-taklifiyyah, what the word taklif means is burden. Taklif Taklif means burden. Does that make sense? How could you add mubah under taklifiyah? When mubah is a concept of choice, takhir, you choose if you want to do it, if you want. You're not burdened to do anything, no one's burdening you. These four, yes, there's a burden on you. You're requested to do something, which is a burden. However, way that the burden is higher for the uh, haram and the uh, wajib, but the other ones, it's a burden. 
How is mubah in the discussion? How does mubah even fall under takhir? Uh, how does it even fall under taklifiyah? The scholars, they discussed this. As a, as a side benefit, I wanted to mention it. Okay? Ah. So you're saying that the taklifiyah is, is to do with the action of the person. That's actually a concept they fought against, the scholars, when they, they actually, this is what they said is, that the issue of al-ahkam al-shari'iyah al-taklifiyah means khitab al-shari'ah, al-muta'alliqu bi-af'al al-mukallafeen. Like it's the khitab al-shari'ah. It's the statement of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Which is connected, of course, to the action of the person. But it's the addressing. Okay. The easiest answer, the easiest answer is um, some of the scholars, what they said. They said that this is min babi taghlib. It's called what? There's a chapter called Babu Taghlib. What does Babu Taghlib mean? Babu Taghlib means when you say, uh, the Arabs, they say, Umaran. Umaran. And who do they mean? Abu Bakr and Umar. Or when you say uh, Aswadan. And you're referring to what? Al-Ma'u and Al-Tamru. The date is Aswad, it's black. But why are you calling the water Aswad? Qamaran. Qamaran. You're referring to Al-Qamar and you're referring to Al-Shams. The Arabs use that a lot. They do that a lot. So this is Mibabi Taghlib. Does that make sense? Are we all together? The last, the second answer that was given, it was given by Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen. And I like the answer of Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen. And other, before him, other great scholars have preceded him in it. In it. Um, but he made this view very common and very famous. He said that the mubah, the mubah, it's also taklifi. How? He said that the slave is burdened to believe that it's a permissibility from the sharia. And he's burdened to believe something. Even if he's not burdened to do something, but he's burdened to believe that Allah made this halal. If he wants, he can do it, and if he wants, he can leave it. Okay? I'll carry on, inshallah ta'ala, after the salah, bi'ithnillah. We're going to go pray. Everyone go and pray. And after the salah, we're going to carry on, inshallah ta'ala. So we were speaking about al-ahkam al-shar'iyya al-taklifiyya. And we said that it's these five. The wajib, the mandub, the mahdur, the makru, and the mubah. 
The wajib is something you must do. The mandub is something that is recommended for you to do. It's not a must, but it's recommended. The haram is something you must leave. And the makruh is something that is disliked for you to do. It's disliked for you to do. The Shaykh Rahimahullah, he mentioned that and he spoke about it. But he said something very powerful after that, which I'm going to mention, inshallah ta'ala. He mentioned something very powerful. He mentioned something, which is, these five, which is wajib, and uh, mandub uh, mahdur mahdur makruh and mubah the author rahimahullah mentioned Sheikh Al-Alam Abdulrahman Nasir Saudi mentioned something These five, Sheikh Abdurrahman Nasri Saudi mentioned a mas'ala. He said, These five, he said, وَهَذِي الْأَحْكَامُ الْخَمْسَةِ تَتَفَاوَتُ تَفَاوُتًا كَثِيرًا بِحَسَبِ حَالِهَا وَمَرَاتِبِهَا وَآثَارِهَا فَمَا كَانَ مَصْلَحَةُ خَالِصَةً أَوْ رَاجِحَةً أَمَرَ بِهِ الشَّارِعَ أَمْرَ إِيجَابٍ وَاسْتِحْبَابٍ وَمَا كَانَتْ مَفْسَدَةُ خَالِصَةً أَوْ رَاجِحَةً نَهَى عَنْهُ الشَّارِعُ نَهَيَ التَّحْرِيمٍ أَوْ كَرَاهَةٍ The author mentioned العلامة عثمان ناصر سعدي مصلحة And he divided the maslaha into two. Maslaha khalisah. Maslaha um, rajiha. Mafsada and khalisah. Mafsada rajiha. Okay. What's a maslaha? A maslaha is a benefit. There's a maslaha in it, there's a benefit in it. The maslaha has two types. Maslaha khalisa, pure maslaha. And a pure maslaha, an example of that is a tawheed. Tawheed is a maslaha rajiha. Al-adlu, justice, is maslaha khalisa. Yani it's 100% maslaha. There's another one which is called maslaha rajiha. 
Remember we took that word rajiha. Uh, we took it when we were speaking about usul. Rajiha means there's like a percentage of mafsada in it. Yani it's not a hundred percent maslaha, maybe ninety percent. Or 95%. There's 5% of mafsada in there. It's called maslaha rajiha. An example for that is al-jihad. Al-jihad, it's maslaha is not khalisa, it's rajiha. Because the blood of the Muslim is honorable. The widowing of a wife is a mafsada. The orphaning of some kids is a mafsada. And does, jihad has a mafsada in it. Like in the maslaha is higher. Okay? The maslaha is what? Higher. Mafsada is the same. The mafsada, there's a mafsada which is khalisa, like a shirk, like a dhulm. These are pure mafsada, 100% mafsada. Okay? Al-kadib. And lying. Mafsada, pure mafsada. Okay? Some scholars take out lying because of the situation that the Prophet mentioned. Anyways, Rajiha, for example, is Khamar. And a riba. You see? Khamar, Allah Ta'ala told us in the Quran that um, there's maslaha in there. So the mafsada here, there's a maslaha in it. It's not a hundred percent mafsada, the khamar. Okay? The same with riba. Riba. There's a maslaha in there as well. A little bit of maslaha is in there. A little bit of money, you know. You could provide for your children. You could build a masjid with it. And there's some maslaha that's in it. Like in the mafsada outweighs the maslaha. The mafsada is higher. Higher than the what? The mafsada. Sorry, the maslaha. The mafsada is higher than the maslaha. The mafsada is higher than the maslaha. If you look at the people today, the discussions, majority of the time, is around this one. Okay? It's not about the mafsada which is khalisa. It's always about the mafsada which is rajaha. They keep mentioning, but akhi, what about this good in it? Akhi, but what about this good in it? But what about this good in it? You see? That's what they say. What about the good that's in it? What about the good? The good doesn't change the fact it's a mafsada and it's haram. Okay? It's haram. Okay? That's very important that you understand. Okay? That you understand that. The author, Rahimullah, mentioned something else as well. Which is important to understand this point as well. How do you define mafsada? How do you define mafsada? As in, like, what do you mean? Like the Arabic? Or do you mean just the translation in English? Yeah. 
يعني مصلحة is anything that brings about benefit and good يعني مفسدة is anything that brings about harm and problems يعني مصلحة is a benefit something brings you benefit Then the author So these, these two that I mentioned The maslaha and the mafsada The wajibat is like that It goes into these things, okay? Haram, mahdur, and etc Not every wajib Okay? Okay, pay attention to this Not every wajib is the same Not every wajib Is the same Yani tawheed is wajib and al-jihad is wajib but are they both the same? no they're not the same why? because this is khalisa and this is what? rajiha does that make sense? it changes they're not the same does that make sense? the same applies not everything that's recommended is the same okay? This point that the author rahimahullah, spoke about now is very beneficial when you're in a situation of a tazahun, when there is a need for you to do more than one act. Which one do I give precedence to which? Tazahumul masalih. I'm a tazahum. When two things or four things or five things you have to do at the same time, this is the beneficial time. Okay? Let's not spend too much time on that. The author spoke about something else, which is an, an issue known as. الوسائل لها أحكام الوسائل أحكام المقاصد What is that? الوسائل the means has the ruling of the objective Okay The means has the objective. So something can be mubah. Something can be mubah, but it becomes wajib. Okay? It's mubah. I'll give an example. Or if something can actually just be uh, mandub, and then it becomes wajib, for example. Okay? Let's say, hypothetically, a man wants to get married to a woman. Sorry, no, no, no. A man has the ability to get married. He's got the money. He's got the physical ability. He's got everything. Okay? For him to get married is recommended, مثلاً. Mandub. Highly recommended. Go and get married. It's recommended. But this man, it's feared for him, zina. And it's fear for him, zina, that he's going to fall into zina. It becomes wajib for him to get married. See, the thing can move from one thing to another. Okay? Does that make sense? Or, buying water. Buying water. That's mubah. Nothing wrong with it. Buying water is mubah. 
But someone, Salah time came in, and he has no wudu. Okay? And the only way to do wudu is by buying that water. That buying that water becomes wajib. Because the means takes the ruling of the objective. The objective is that you have to have wudu. You have to pray the salah. And you can't pray the salah without, without, doing, without buying the water. Okay? Does that make sense? And in there he mentions some issues which is Okay? So very important principle which is uh, so whatever whatever you are unable to do you, you can't do an obligatory act without it there's something I have to do something obligatory and I can't do it without this thing this thing becomes obligatory as well it becomes obligatory so buying the water becomes obligatory because I need to do wudu and the wudu I need it for the salah so the buying of the water becomes obligatory the author spoke about he spoke about that rahimahullah ta'ala does that make sense? Okay. Does that make sense? Anyone have any questions? Anyone have any questions? Can I repeat the last sentence? Huh? So the last sentence is Whatever So Whatever Whatever you're not able to do So Salah I can't do it. I'm unable to do the salah because of lack of water. Lack of water. Buying the water becomes obligatory. Even that though buying the water before had a another ruling which is mubah, you can do what you want. But now it shifted from mubah because I'm unable to attain the salah and the salah is already obligatory on me. So this is the maqsad. The salah is the objective. I am unable to pray the salah because of lack of water. I can't get the water because I need, to, I, don't, I need to buy it. Buying the water becomes obligatory for, for that salah. So you say, مَا لَا يَتِمُّ الْوَاجِبِ The wajib cannot be established. إِلَّا بِهِ Except with it. فَهُوَ وَاجِبٌ It becomes wajib. 
Okay. May Allah reward you guys, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, we finished the introduction and we also finished the first chapter. So next week, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go into the uh, third chapter, inshallah ta'ala. Inshallah ta'ala. May Allah reward you guys, inshallah ta'ala, with good. And jazakallah uh, khairan for listening. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullahu khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa tuwulayhi.